You're listening to V for Vertigo, episode 103. Something kind of vertigo going on here. I've been seeing fables in my dreams. I've been laying scalped out here for hours in this swamp in New Orleans. I've been reading spells from books and magic, trying just to help lay trails to you. Feeling like a loser, so, so tragic. Feeling like I'm left to preach at food. All the time spent moving all so slow It's something kind of vertigo Welcome, it's the beginning of another edition of V for Vertigo Where I'm in the air everywhere Streaming on the vast world wide web And this podcast is one man's journey into the world of all things Vertigo Comics Because everything else is just picture books I'm your host, Mark. Stop eating my sesame cake! Johnson, and this week's spoiler-filled review will cover the unwritten Dead Man's Knock by Mike Carey and Peter Gross. And hello, everybody! I just want to apologize for how the sound may sound for the past few episodes because I don't know what's up with my mic. And I'm not buying a new one because uh, I can't, I'm going to quit this show. Probably by next year. So, before we get started talking about um, comics, let's talk about movies. Uh, Let's talk about one that's actually a comic-related movie. So, I watched Thor. Oh, uh, these won't be spoiler-free review of these movies. So, I watched Thor, um, that was probably like a week ago. And I must say, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. And in the pantheon of Marvel Studios movies, I would rank it nowhere near as good as Iron Man. A little better than Hulk. Is that all they've done? Three movies? Yeah. So, it was pretty good. Uh, Unfortunately, I saw it in 3D. So if you haven't seen it yet... Do not see it in 3D. There wasn't... There was a 2D, but... The time would have been later, and I had to go to work. So, but, um... It was pretty good. I, um, it was good, I mean, um... So, yeah, the 3D kind of muddled during the action scenes, and it, when it got kind of dark, uh, I didn't know what was going on. But, there was surprisingly a lot of humor... And the most uh, surprising thing is that uh, the storyline is pretty much the same storyline from Iron Man. Doesn't carry it. Um, I don't even care. Chris Pine? Uh, I want to say Chris Pine. That might not be the right name. So, anyways, the the dude who played Thor, he did he did a pretty good job. Um, uh, yeah, I really liked his role. He was good. Obviously, he he while well, he had charisma, he likes charisma of uh, Robert Downey Jr. So, every, the special effects were good. They didn't seem too cartoonish or CGI. Natalie Portman. Uh, this is what I don't get. A, a lot of geeks uh, that aren't into Star Wars don't like Natalie Portman. They think she's a bad actress. I think she's a great actor. Um, she's probably the best of my generation. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, she's hot. She, like, if you take... I found their romance to be believable is what I'm getting at. But um, if you take... Who else is around uh, our age group? Uh, there's... Uh, mm, uh, they can't... They, Dakota Fanny's really good, too. But she's uh, young. Well, there's, like, Jessica Alba. Scarlett Johansson is good. It's... I don't know. But Natalie Warren's probably the best actor. Like, Jessica Alba's the hottest. Um, oh, and Alicia Cuthbert. And some other Canadians. I can't remember right now. Uh, Jessica Alba's probably the hottest. But she can't act worth shit. And Natalie Warren's really good. And physically, she's not... I mean, she looks hot. But she's not that hot. And I, I guess I can understand why they say... Some people don't like her. Some geeks don't like her because she kind of seems like the haughty I'm better than you. And she probably is, though. No, she went to Yale or something. But she's really good. Loki is probably the star of the show. And oh, was it Hinesdale? The black guy who plays the guy that watches the gate? He did a good job. People are all up in arms. I think it was it was a it was a good solid movie. I really need to see it again in 2D to see where I stand on it, and I need to watch it in a better streaming thing. So I would I would give it. Hmm. The 3D makes me want to give it like a three and a half, but it's probably a solid four out of five on the Mark Critic score. So, but everyone, I think everyone should see it. This is the. See, I'm a little disappointed because. This is the movie, out of all the quote-unquote geek movies, I've been waiting for this summer. I don't know if it's still spring, though. Um, that This is uh, the one I've been waiting for, and it didn't blow me away. I was thoroughly entertained. So that kind of knocks it on oh, the 3D. 3D is horrible. So, yeah. And, oh, and the movie I just saw yesterday... Was fast five, and it was really good. That was the first Fast and Furious movie I've seen in the theater. Now, on the pantheon of Fast Five movies, I would rank the first one is the best. That seems to be a consensus. My favorite second one is Tokyo Drift, and Fast Five actually takes place. In between Tokyo Drift and uh, the the last one, which I think it was just called Fast and Furious or The Fast and Furious. Confusing. Uh, strangely enough, while my other friends, the majority of my friends enjoy Tokyo Drift and rank it two or three, my friend who I saw the movie with, he put Tokyo Drift at the bottom. And obviously the second one should be at the bottom. Oh, Tyrese, he's pretty fucking good. In the, he's really funny in the movie. Like all the um, subordinating characters and from the previous movies are all pretty good. Um, oh, I, I gotta rank it. I would say the latest Fast and Furious movie is third, and then the fourth one's fourth, and the second one is shit, so it's last. But it's really good. Uh, yeah, the only the only problem is. Uh, it's a re- I really enjoyed the action scenes. There's unlike the last movie, there's not as much CG. Um, but the the my problem was everyone's on fucking roids, man. 
All these guys are just huge. They're huge. Uh, Okay, you go. Vin Diesel, he's pretty huge. The Rock's huger and makes Vin Diesel look small. Paul Walker's huge. Vince is in there. He's huge. Uh, The Rock's DEA team. You're like, oh, there's that black guy from that movie or show. He's huge. The Asian guy's huge. The other white guy's... Everyone's fucking huge. (laughs) Everyone's yoked. (laughs) And I'm like, really? But, oh, oh, and uh, you stay after the credit, just like with Thor. Uh, unfortunately, for the two other people who I watched Thor with, they bounced. I had the theater to myself. That's always kind of cool. Better if I was with a girl, because I'm a freak. But, um, oh, Fast and Furious, or Fast Five, stay for after the credits. Because there's uh, a little thing and you're like, oh my god. I actually, I think, got more excited for the post credit stuff in Fast Five than I did in Thor. And the Thor, Thor stuff was pretty good. Oh, uh, the guy from Good Will Hunting's in Thor. The teacher. The mathematician. And he's pretty good. But I think I got more excited for Fast Five. I was like, oh shit, how did they do that? The only, the only bad thing about Fast Five... Yeah, this is what doesn't make any sense. I like uh, the Japanese dude Han. Uh, he dies in Tokyo Drift. They, and they, it's like they're trying to pigeonhole the movie for him, but he doesn't go to Japan right after. But this is what this is what I don't understand. I I thought in the third one he was a high school student. I know him or his parents work for the yakuza. So, is he a high school student? Or is he just hanging around high school students? So, it's weird. Like, if as the movies keep going, and if he's continually in them, he could theoretically be in the next one. The next Fast Furious movie. You're like, oh, dude, you're gonna die. So, it's... Let's see. Ah, oh, man. I, I wish they had... I don't think they need... Like, you could cut Tokyo Drift. And then you'd be fine in continuity. Or maybe they could have had a twin brother or uh, something. Uh, they could have just maybe opened up the shot with him in the hospital all towed up. And then his buddy thought he was dead. I don't know. I don't know. It's really, it's kind of weird that they're just pigeonholing him. Because the third one's actually the fifth one in the timeline. So, but they're, they're both good movies. Ooh. That's a good question. Which one do I enjoy more? Hmm. I might have to go with Fast Five because I saw it in 2D, and it's like it's like it's great. See, I love The Rock, so the Thor was good. Oh, but that 3D, they're probably the same. But if I saw the Thor again in 2D, I would—they're probably the same on the same level in entertainment and good-wise. But yeah, so. Yeah, go watch Fast Five. And then don't drive immediately afterwards. Because that would be a bad idea. So there's one bit of news item this week, so I suppose I should talk about it. Vertigo News. So in case you haven't heard, Fox has canceled Human Target. Coincidentally, they canceled two other shows I was watching. Lie to Me, which I really enjoy, and Breaking In, which I was on the fence to cut anyway. But, they canceled Human Target, and it's kind of sad. It's like, 
I really enjoy. Uh, how do I put this? Okay, I really I'm gonna miss Guerrero. Uh, and the only way I watch him is I'm not watching the new Nightmare on Elm Street because that sucked. And Bad News Bears. That's all I got. But that's all the only reason to uh, to watch it. It's like there's no other reasons to watch it. It's kind of uh, it's kind of it's kind of jank. It's kind of it's. It's jank that they canceled it. I mean, the second season... I don't know if I talked about this previously, but... It wasn't that good. And I think is because they introduced chicks. If you watched the last season, it was it was all guy show. Occasional love entrance for Chance. Hottie. And then uh, the mystery of the other hot chick. But uh, Human Target this season, they introduced two of them. I liked Ames. She's hot. Hope to see her in some more work. And she she brought a different dynamic. But Poochie, Poochie, Poochie was Mrs. Poochie was annoying, very annoying. It's like you can't do, you can't do that, you can't do this. I have all the money, and this is like, oh, the show. While it was still fun, it wasn't as fun with a nagging woman. So there you go. And that's all of the news I got for the week. But uh. No, no, go buy, go buy the complete box set, I guess. Or just season one, really. They did get together. Spoiler alert. Uh, um, Poochie and Chanza at the last episode, so... I'm just gonna assume that uh, they lived happily ever after. There you go. Just like life. And now it's time for the rundown. So like I said at the beginning, this week's episode is the unwritten Dead Man's Lock Knock by Mike Carey and Peter Gross the third in the unwritten trade and start things off we left on the last trade if I remember correctly is there was a book on the black editor's desk whose name I'm just gonna call him black editor or gay black editor and it turns out that that book is a fake well well, that everyone's getting—I'm getting ahead of myself. Everyone's getting hyped up for the latest uh, Tommy Taylor book, and well, yeah, it is a fake. He knows it. Everyone knows it, and they even leak copies. Uh, but everyone's uh, getting excited. Did and it turns out that the Cabal—they're called the Cabal, which is kind of lame. They need to help. Help. Uh, they talk about a, a new. Exciting name later. I mean, hey, hmm. Oh, you know what I would do? I would steal uh, Bill Willingham's and call him the Literals. That would actually make more sense here. Granted, I've not read that that crossover, so it might not. But I would do some literary, some kind of literary name. So they're doing releasing that book so they can lure Wilson back because he's MIA somewhere. Count Ambrosio uh, controls Peter, I think his name is. Now, Wilson does come back. And then Mr. Hand, dude, he kills Wilson. Tommy uses magic through a plastic wand somehow. And Lizzie is confused by her identity because she's somebody else. Uh, Jane Foster? No, Jane, Jane Foster is that fucking... Fucking Thor movie. I think she's Jane something. I don't know. I'm terrible with names and I didn't write it down. And uh, I 
it turns out that the black gay editor dude, they were printing real books in China. They just kept it on lockdown. You gotta love the Chinese. While I think they make they make shit products as compared to uh, made in Taiwan and made in Japan, made in Honduras or whatever. My friend, oh look at this Apple products made in China. Who gives a shit? Uh, everything I buy made from China is crap. But they were they they're under lock and key. And there, it turns out it was a real book, and they, they they did it on purpose. They did it. I guess the editor slash publisher was a friend of Wilson's, and it was an elaborate plan. And Tommy finally decides to accept who he is, and he accepts his friends, and they decide to go after the cabal, do do do, and be the hunters instead of the hunted. So, judging. A book by its cover I thought this was going to be a very short trade because it's pretty thin but there is a lot going on in Dead Man's Knock in fact this feels more like a climax book and if it wasn't so thin it could it should actually be trade 7 instead of the third trade because all the points are converging they're all converging on London they're all converging on Tommy whether it's the cabal Mr. Handyman um, Wilson and Tommy himself uh, bringing, publishing the books it's all they're all con- converging there now in some ways with all those things coming together it makes it very confusing why I thoroughly enjoy the unwritten and think it's Vertigo's best ongoing title. Let me, let me think about that for a second. I don't know what else they have, but it is probably it is Vertigo's best ongoing title. They got Scout and Fables, DMZ, and Northlanders. Yeah, Fable uh, oh, Fables. <laughs> oh, Freudian slip on that tongue. The Unwritten's definitely the best out of all that. So, but my problem, this is only the third trade. So I've still not spent much time with it. I think, see, I can't wait until I'm done with this series. Because I'm going to have to read it consecutively. Instead of every few months when a new trade comes out. Um, Because things, I think, would not only flow together, but I would get a lot more stuff. And it's also one of those books because of my lack, lack, not lack of experience, but, well, whatever. That I wish I had someone to talk about it and catch things. Like uh, a couple episodes ago when I had uh, Sean Pyron from PKD, or formerly from PKD Black Box. He didn't change that, right? From Action Lab Entertainment. So, um... Yeah, having another guy would uh, definitely help me. So, um, I thought the the latest book of Tommy Taylor was a genuine copy. But here it's a fake. And that is pretty clever to draw Wilson out. But I was like, man, I must have taken a lot of work by Mr. Calendar. Because even a bad book, even if it's a bad book and according to the early reviewers... It was a bad book. But even bad books take work. 
I kind of wonder what the reviewers are like. I read this shitty 800-page book. You fooled me. You used me, Skinner. You used me. Sometimes I just randomly quote TV shows and or movies. Well, not randomly, but you know. So, I liked how the black editor... Let's say I just call him the gay editor. What term would be, be <laughs> what term would be better? What term would be less offensive? <laughs> I mean, there's not many black people in this book or gay characters. Let's just roll them up into one. Well, anyways, I liked how he pulled an old switcheroo. It still wasn't quite clear if he was part of Wilson's plan. I guess he was though. But my question is, how did he know about Wilson's death? Because right at the same time Wilson died, he released the book early. Granted, he released it after uh, he was tortured by Mr. Handyman. And so, and then he, he didn't just release it. He was like, he talked about Wilson's death at the same time. Or a few seconds later, that's how I felt. Uh, and it's like, dude, how'd you know? Unless that was all part of Wilson's death. And that was a little staged. Um, yeah, I mean, see, I knew if Wilson was going to show up, that he was going to die. And up until now, he seemed to be Mr. Uh, I don't know, some dude who plans shit out and who's always a few moves ahead. Because he's leaving, uh, because he worked on Tommy Taylor, he's done all this to go against the Cabal, and he's leaving ingenious clues for Tommy and he's trained Tommy and literary knows it since he was a kid. So he seems to be all these steps ahead. So he must know that he's going to die. And then he, did he die become a martyr? Or was that all stage? But then it's like, how'd the, how'd the gay dude know already? And it was also a bit weird the way Wilson went out. Because Mr. Handyman used the bowstring to ch not choke Wilson... But to choke and cut his head off with it, he either he's really, really strong. The hand gives him magical powers uh, that I didn't even know or wasn't suggested. Or Wilson just faked his death. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the latter. Now, I, I didn't understand what Wilson meant while he was sort of explaining things to Tommy. I got the part where he said, belief is power and all that. Uh, yeah, I get that. I've seen it in Gaiman's work, and I've seen it in a lot of work. Must be an English thing. They must really go with that. But, I didn't understand the part about Tommy. I'm hoping Wilson will come back to clarify that. Even if it says a ghost. Did Wilson create Tommy? Which seems to be the case, but I'm not sh entirely sure. Or was Tommy shaped because of the stories to become a weapon? I'm I'm still scratching my head. Now, there comes a part. There's like the second to last issue, or maybe the third to last. Is that the trade? Well, the trade focuses on Lizzie and her story, but in that one issue, her name is Jane. I did write that down. I didn't write down the last name. Didn't really expect to be uh, Jane from Thor and Jane from the Hunter. And what are, what are the odds? Um. So, but in her her issue, it's a choose your own adventure, and I used to fucking love reading those when I was a kid. Um, however, 
it's a bit hard to read here. As much fun as it was, it's a bit hard to read here. Not only did I have to hold the comic sideways, I had to constantly flip through the pages of that one issue. Now, why the font font for the page numbers were big enough, it was a pain in the ass. Because if you remember Choose Your Own Books correctly, they're rather thin with large font and page numbers because they're made for kids. However, they're a lot easier to flip through than a comic book with art and a single issue instead of the entire trade so if, if you read this by floppies or if you're reading it by lobbies it would probably be a lot better i enjoyed it it, it shined uh information on lizzie and wilson and what he planned and how he was so that was cool and it, it was an interesting it's the first it's the first comic that does this i believe so it's the first modern comic for sure so that that was all cool, but it, it was a little harder to read. It's kind of like watching Thor in 3D. Well, it makes it difficult. But even with all that choose-your-own-adventure, it didn't answer all the questions about Lizzie or Wilson. Unlike last week's episode uh, in Fables, where it was an, an, all an epilogue, this was part intermission, part climax. I mean, in the beginning, it felt like all climax, and then it's like there's still some dangling threads. So... Some new information. Now at the end, Mr. Calendar died. And Mr. Handyman is going to be in charge, even though he won't really be in charge. And I'm not sure how that'll go. Because Mr. Hand has shown some brains, but how smart is he? What was really weird is, they didn't, the Cabal didn't kill him. I mean, the one guy did, but he pulled his hand in some thing. And the thing gave him a, a parchment that shows who had to die. And Mr. Calendar expected a yes or no from Mr. Handyman. But it turned out to be his number and then he killed him. But it's like, what is that thing? So does that mean the Cabal is part of a larger group? Is there a head Mr. Cabal guy in charge? I would probably say yes. Now, um... On the Mark Critic score, let me give uh, The Unwritten, uh, what is it called, Dead Man's Knock, a 4. It's good, it's all I read. I got a lot. As always, thanks for listening everyone. Appreciate it if you left me some feedback, some written reviews on iTunes. You can show support to the show by buying my DRM free ebook, Catalyst, The Passage of Hellsfire Everywhere. Anyway, really, just seriously, it is everywhere. Next week's pick will be Fables Homelands. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can email me at vertigocast at gmail.com or you can go to thecomicsforums.com. I always appreciate uh, every piece of uh, critique, suggestion, feedback, whatever, or question. Oh, and you can go to comicforums.com to buy my cheap comics. To see what's coming up, you can visit the website at vforvertigo.blogspot.com, assuming blogger.com is still working. A lot of things are down lately, like the PSN network. But at least that got hacked. I'm also part of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at comicspodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash hellsfire. And remember, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. But you can't win much either. <laughs>